This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. You look like you're on the internet. I don't know how the FBI silenced your... How is the FBI... Wouldn't it be the MI6 silencing your internet? If it was an American institution silencing your internet, it'd be the CIA. The FBI handles domestic affairs. Learn what you're talking about, warlord. <laughs> ah, shit. I was I was changing up my notes as we were coming on. Saw a story I wanted to add. What are we talking about tonight? A lot of shit. A lot of Alabama discussion tonight. We're going to talk about the... Second union vote that's going to take place in Bessemer, Alabama at the Amazon facility. Apparently, Amazon is raising their wages, according to a leaked internal memo. We're going to look at one of their PR campaigns to show how great of a company Amazon is to work for. Mark Zuckerberg is threatening the EU... He's going to take away their Facebook and their Instagram. Things that Facebook got so bad last week that Zuck decided to address the workers at Facebook or Meta. I don't want to call it that because apparently a company named Meta already existed. Facebook lowballed them on an offer for the name they said no, and Facebook just called themselves Meta anyway. So I'm I'm not all about them changing their name to Meta, and and it will be a cold day, and I'll be cold in the ground when I recognize Missouri as a state. <laughs> when I recognize Facebook as Meta, Simpsons humor there for you. Bill Maher promoted by. Prager you in a video. I'm sure that's going to be great. We've got the conservative mama. I've, I don't believe we've ever watched a video from her, but conservative mama is demanding that Spotify remove her music. Speaking of which, there was a Rebecca Watson video. It came out today or yesterday. Talking about the whole Joe Rogan bullshit. And she played a clip where Rogan was on Opie and Anthony 11, 12, 13 years ago. And Rogan was saying some bullshit that wasn't true about them finding this new type of ape that had already been debunked. Somebody that studies apes, a primologist or somebody, calls in. The shit that Joe Rogan said to her was astounding. There is definitely some misogyny mixed in there. Hold on, I don't have a I don't have a meme up yet. Got a meme going on when we, whenever we work is where I cosplay a stable adult for drug money. I sent that to Sparkles the other day and asked her if she would like me to Photoshop her face on it. She said yes, but I never got around to doing it.
still talking about it. Oh, yeah, that Rebecca Watson video. Do go watch that shit. He's a fantastic follow on the YouTube. We're going to talk about unions tonight, not just Amazon. Apparently, Starbucks fired a bunch of employees. Biden fired his science advisor. I'm sorry, he resigned. Apparently, he liked to uh, lash out at subordinates. No longer a part of the Biden administration. Uh, J&J is going to stop producing their non-mRNA vaccine. We're going to see a piece from CNBC which says that Pfizer's balance sheet is bulletproof because of the COVID vaccine. If the two stories have anything to do with each other, McConnell, the turtle, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, breaking with the Republican Party, calls January 6th a violent insurrection. We're going to get updated on the latest. This, a year ago, a year ago, uh, it popped up in my Facebook memories. The Troll Patrol from a year ago. I was like, oh, let me see what I was talking about last year. How far we have come here on this show. We were getting ready to start the second Trump impeachment trial. That's where we were at this time last year. We're going to check in on all the ways that Trump tried to remain in power. His document shredding. Apparently, Omarosa said he even put a fucking piece of paper in his mouth like he was a cartoon. QAnon followers shut down a butterfly center in Texas over some bullshit. A titan. The hedge fund world is saying that the U.S. is headed down the road to a civil war. We're going to, apparently some sparks flew today in a congressional hearing about oil and gas. We're going to hear from Representative Byron Donalds from Florida. A Missouri man who wanted to ban LGBTQ books has been arrested for child molestation. We're going to talk about Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. But starting off tonight, we're going to have to pick on Alabama. A couple of stories here. The Supreme Court sided with the state of Alabama last night. Case about racial gerrymandering. We're reading from 538. February 7th, the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated the congressional map passed by Alabama's Republican-controlled legislature for the 2022 elections, pending a final decision on the merits of the case at a later date. The court's ultimate ruling could still have broad implications for the Voting Rights Act protection against racial gerrymandering. On January 24th, Alabama became the second state after Ohio to have its new congressional map struck down in court 
While Ohio's map was thrown out by the state Supreme Court for violating the state constitution, Alabama's was overturned by three federal judges who determined the map shortchanged black voter uh, voters of representation in Congress. A significant dif- uh, difference because it will require the Supreme Court to weigh in, potentially reshaping federal law in the process. As a result, the ruling could reverberate far beyond Alabama. We covered this the other day. That congressional district ran from Montgomery through what they call the Black Belt of Alabama and encompassed a section of Birmingham. Birmingham and Montgomery are like two, three hours away from each other. It was an insane-looking district. That is called packing in terms of gerrymandering, packing all of the black voters into one congressional district. U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 2019 that partisan gerrymandering was a political question that federal courts should not adjudicate. However, they can still hear cases related to racial gerrymandering, whether a map discriminates against voters of a certain race. I thought the 538 article was going to go into it more. I want to read uh, Hagen's dissent on this. Let's see if Newsweek can give us the insight that we want. Fuck you, 538. Dissent, Kagan says, Alabama voting map does disservice to black people. Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan issued a blistering dissent after the court ruled to uphold a GOP-drawn congressional map in Alabama, saying it would do a disservice to black voters. In a 5-4 decision, the court stated that the map, which was previously drawn by Alabama Republicans, could remain in place for the foreseeable future until the full case is heard by the high court. Halts a previous decision from a lower federal court that stated that the redrawn map could not be used because it likely violated the Voting Rights Act. Violation came, the lower court said, because the Republican map gives black voters political control in only a single district. means that they would be able to select just 14% of the state's congressional delegation, despite Alabama having the fifth highest percentage of black residents in the country. Although the lower court... uh, Duh! Although the lower court had ordered the creation of a new map, the Supreme Court's decision now means that the GOP-led map will be used for the state's primaries. The court will hear oral arguments on the case. The map will likely also be used for the November general election, making it significantly harder for the Democratic Party to capture an additional seat in the House of Representatives. This is significant because it was looking better for the Democrats for the fall. Based on a number of factors, a lot of people are predicting that they are going to get slaughtered in the House. But this court ruling was heralded as a way that Democrats might actually do better. Her dissenting opinion, Kagan blasted her conservative colleagues for voting in the GOP's map's favor, stating that it would hurt enfranchised efforts in Alabama, a state the most recent census estimates is 27% black. 
Alabama is not entitled to keep violating black Alabamians' voting rights just because the court's order came down uh, in the first month of an election year, Kagan wrote in her dissent. The court is wrong to stay that decision based on a hastily made and wholly unexplained prejudgment that is ready to change the law. The decision does a disservice to our own appellate processes, which serve both to constrain and to legitimate... Uh, legitim- to legitimate the court's authority to legitimate. Kagan continued, it does a disservice to the district court which meticulously applied the court's long-standing voting rights precedent. And most of all, it does a disservice to black Alabamians who under the precedent have had their electoral power diminished in violation of a law this court once knew to buttress all of American democracy. Chris England, chair of the Alabama Democratic Party, said in a statement following the decision that the canary in the coal mine just died. Now, what? It's not like Alabama is a racist state. It's not like they would do racist shit all over this state. It's not like they would honor the first black student right next to the former KKK leader. Oh, wait a minute. They did exactly that. The University of Alabama honors first black student to former KKK leader. Many are outraged. Hillary Green received tenure at the University of Alabama. She knew exactly how she wanted to celebrate. Associate professor of history visited the campus's historical marker dedicated to the university's first black student, authorine Lucy Foster. There, Green posed for her first professional photos as a tenured professor. I know whose shoulders I was standing on, Green said. Without her, I wouldn't be where I stand today. The university's board of trustees announced on Thursday that a campus building called Graves Hall would be renamed to honor Lucy Foster. But beside her name, the name Graves will also remain. Honoring former Alabama Governor Bib Graves, who was once a Ku Klux Klan officer. As Green learned about the board's decision, one painful thought lingered. A black woman alone was not enough to have her own building. Moved to rename the building, Lucy Graves Hall has sparked outrage among many professors, students, and alumni who argue placing Lucy Foster's name beside a former KKK member taints her legacy. They're clearly trying to appease our students of color and students who believe in diversity while still holding on to that violent Racist legacy they're unwilling to relinquish, according to Sidney Shepard, a 2021 UA graduate, who was part of a years-long student-led movement to rename the building after Lucy Foster. They preach social justice and equity, yet they still hold on to Graves' name so tightly. Several Alabama universities have Graves' name on buildings and structures, but two recently removed it from their campuses. In 2020, Alabama State University took his name off a residence hall, and Troy University replaced his name with civil rights icon John Lewis on a business college building. Foster attended classes at UA's Graves Hall for just three days in 1956 before she was expelled after protests and threats against her life. At one point, a mob surrounded Graves Hall in protest of her enrollment. She spent much of her time at the university hiding in between classes, According to trustee emeritus judge John England Jr., at a 
meeting announcing the name change. The university didn't enroll another black student until 1963. Fuck Alabama. In 1989, Lucy Foster returned to the university as a master's degree candidate in the College of Education housed in Graves Hall. She graduated in 1992 and has since been recognized by an endowed scholarship and clock tower in her name. Fuck Alabama. But also, uh, fuck Florida. Florida's Don't Say Gay Bills Explained. Reading from the Tampa Bay Times. Reporters call them parental rights bills. Critics have dubbed them Don't Say Gay legislation. Find out exactly what they do. Provision tucked into two education bills moving through the Florida legislature. It's causing a major stir this legislative session. So-called parental rights and education bills, Senate Bill 1834 and House Bill 1557, say parents should have more say in deciding what their children are exposed to in the classroom. Bills were to become law, they would give parents the right to sue school districts that violate their provisions. Critics who call the measures Florida's don't-say-gay bills argue the measures are an attempt to weaponize the idea of parental rights to marginalize LGBTQ people. Exactly what they are. Part of the bills generating the most debate is short, just 31 words. A school district may not encourage classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. What does that mean? Lawmakers and advocates have different ideas. Let's dig into the debate. Are the three most pressing questions about the measures? What problem are the bills trying to solve? I'll go ahead and answer that. They're not trying to solve any problem. They're trying to feed red meat to the base. Keep right-wingers upset about non-existent threats. Recent years... Now we're actually reading from the article again, for those of you who might be listening to the podcast. In recent years, Republicans in the legislature have passed a number of measures aimed at asserting the rights of parents to shape their children's future. Perhaps most notable among them was a bill that became law in 2021, the Parents' Bill of Rights, which stopped government agencies from interfering with a parent's right to direct the upbringing, education, health care, and mental health of their child. This year's bills would build upon that measure, giving parents the right to sue school districts that fail to notify them of critical decisions affecting a student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being. Maybe we should call this the safe space bill. Right-wing students need a safe space from education. School districts could withhold some information from parents if the disclosure would result in abuse, abandonment, or neglect. Controversial 30-word sections, uh, 31-word sections on sexual orientation and gender identity are just part of the four-page bills, which would go into effect July 1st if Governor Ron DeSantis signs them into law. It seems like he is going to sign them. 
According to a House bill analysis, some school districts have policies that exclude parents from certain decisions, such as confidentiality uh, policies aimed at keeping LGBTQ kids safe. For example, the analysis cited policies in Hillsborough, Broward, and Palm Beach counties that say it's inappropriate to divulge a child's sexual identity to a parent without the child's consent. House staffers cited a case in Leon County which parents sued the school district for allegedly freezing them out of a discussion about their child's gender identity. A Senate committee hearing on Tuesday, Senator Dennis Baxley, a Republican of Ocala, the bill's sponsor, said discussion about child sexuality or gender identity would fall under the auspices of his bill. That means if it became law, a school district would not be able to maintain policies that keep a kid's sexual orientation or gender identity from parents in many cases. Oh, good Lord. As of Tuesday, the bills had cleared one committee in the House and one in the Senate. Question number two, what does it mean for a district to not encourage classroom discussion about gender identity? By far the major sticking point in the legislation, the bill's sponsor, Baxley, and Representative Joe Harding, also a Republican, say the measure is meant to stop schools from creating curricula geared toward educating young children about gender or sexual orientation, before they are mature enough to handle it. That old meme where, you know, they aren't mature enough to talk about gay people or know about their existence, but, you know, you'll be asking a kindergartner about uh, who he has a crush on. Who they're going to marry when they grow up. I, I butchered that meme, didn't I? Classroom presentations, school clubs, and other less formal discussions between students and teachers involving gender or sexuality would be allowed under the bill. Conversations are going to happen, Harding said at a House committee meeting in January where lawmakers voted to move the bill forward. Children and students ask a lot of questions. In interview on Monday, Baxley noted that the bill singles out primary grade levels structure for young kids. Primary school ends in third grade. However, critics have argued that whatever the intentions of its authors, the bill's language is vague. I write my lesson plans as per the Florida Department of Education. They must be clear and specific. According to Mindy Washington, a Pasco County teacher who testified at Tuesday's Senate committee hearing, this bill is neither clear nor specific. Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith, a Democrat of Orlando, one of the few openly gay members of the Florida legislature, noted the relevant section comes with an important conjunction. Or, if interpreted broadly, the section wouldn't just apply to primary school students, it would apply to any policies that are not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate. To Smith, that could mean restrictions even in classrooms with older kids on what your definition of the word or is. That sentence in the bill seems to have two different standards. Aideen Smith, executive director of the LGBTQ rights group Equality Florida, which opposes the bills, said the measures attempt to solve a non-existent problem. There is no developmentally inappropriate curriculum about sexual orientation or gender identity being taught to young kids. Absent that, the bill, just like there's no fucking critical race theory being taught to kids in schools. Absent that, the bill will succeed only in stopping teachers from having honest conversations with students, she said. The chilling effect is real. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you actual censorship. Not criticism leveled at a man worth well over $100 million. DeSantis has been a supporter of the movement to allow parents to assert more control over their children's schools, and this bill is no exception. When asked about his thoughts on the legislation on Monday, the Republican governor said the bills made sense. Fuck you, DeSantis. Now, I'm sure, you know, the gay agenda causing harm to children is exactly what these lawmakers are, are, what their arguments are. But I present to you Exhibit A here. Surrey man who wanted to ban LGBTQ books has been charged with child molestation. It's projection, ladies and gentlemen. It's projection. A man who wanted to ban LGBTQ books from schools over sexual scenes has been charged with abusing children. It was less than a year after Ryan Utterback, 29, allegedly fondled a child that he appeared at an October 26, 2021 school board meeting. He's also charged with showing a young child sexual videos from his cell phone. Gladstone resident committed the fondling while laying down in bed with the young person in... I, I should have hit the content warning on this one. I'm sorry. No, we were going to get into graphic detail. Hey, do we have a local news hit on this? I would rather them say it than me. Ryan Utterback did not speak Thursday as he showed up to the Clay County Courthouse. Utterback faces a felony charge of second-degree child molestation, a misdemeanor charge of furnishing pornographic material or attempting to furnish to a minor, and another misdemeanor for fourth-degree domestic assault from incidents that started in 2020. Do you have anything to say at all? Thursday, Utterback chose not to speak about those charges against him. KBC Not Investigate started looking into Utterback's case after sources told KBC in November he spoke against books in North Kansas City School libraries showing sexual acts. That evening, board members listened to students who spoke in favor of not banning books. You know, I, I definitely understand their struggles, and and uh, it, it's it's not lost on me. But but again, um, those conversations are to be had at home, and only I have the intimate understanding of what is and isn't appropriate for my children. KNBC also discovered video of this October 2021 North Kansas City Schools board meeting. Utterback held signs KNBC has blurred showing drawings of sexual acts depicted in a book. To a minor or read or give any Utterback was standing behind the president of the Northland Parent Association, Jay Richmond. And I just, I just want to point out that the asshole that's speaking, Utterback is holding up signs for the dude that's speaking. The guy that's speaking has a mesh mask on. (laughs) Because of course he's one of those. Richmond spoke against keeping that specific book in school libraries. Richmond on Friday told KABC Ryan was an attendee at the board meeting. I needed help holding a presentation and he helped. He also said I can't comment on the alleged charges against him because I have no knowledge about them and they have nothing to do with me or the Northland Parent Association. Utterback's attorney... But may- Warlord, the, the CIA may be coming after me now. ...court appearance is in March. Matt Fleener, KBC9. My, uh, my internet looks to be dropping. If I drop out, that is why. 
It's uh, it's bouncing back and forth. It levels out here. We got the green light. We got the green light. Dude allegedly put the young person on his lap and moved the child's body against uh, his while touching the kid's thighs. Connection to the same case, he allegedly put his fingers through a ripped hole in the teenager's jeans in September 2020 and rubbed the young person's leg. Teenager told authorities about this being uncomfortable and not liking this at all. I'm behind a VPN. I got news for you. It is it is probably my VPN fucking with me at the moment. And it, it, it keeps bouncing back and forth. It looks like it's good, though. Maybe. Speaking of child abuse, Utterback is unlucky that he didn't have a man like Jim Jordan covering up for him. You see what I did there? Going to hear from Jordan. Completely unrelated topic. Let's talk about climate crisis. Um, My guess is most Americans are more more concerned right now. This is a congressional hearing earlier today with executives from big oil and gas. Apparently, in the next clip we're going to watch, some sparks really flew. First, we're going to hear from Jim Jordan. Ms. Tubbs, uh, is the price of gas higher today than it was a year ago? Uh, Yes. How about the price of everything? Is the price of everything higher today than it was a year ago? Generally, yes. Uh, And when you shut down uh, a pipeline, does that probably... Is that probably one of the factors that contributed to the high no. cost of gas today? Um, you know, it's hard for me to make a connection from A to B, but I, it certainly doesn't help. Uh, the way to decrease prices is to increase supply, and pipelines are an incredibly important is, part is, of Is the overall cost of energy higher today than it was a little over a year ago? Yes, significantly. And when the price of energy goes up, that, that drives... He is not being adversarial. This is Katie Tubb from the Heritage Foundation. They are playing for the same team here. The cost of everything else, because you got to ship it, you got to make it. It takes energy to make things. It takes energy to transport things. It takes energy to uh, ship things. So when the price of energy goes up, it contributes greatly to the price of everything else increasing. Is that accurate? Yes, that's correct. I think uh, you could call energy the master resource because of its throughout the economy. So it sort of begs the obvious question, would it help if the United States produced more oil and gas and more energy here? Would that be helpful? Absolutely. I think, yes, that's basic economics. To uh, solve for high prices and high demand, you increase supply. So basic economics would help with the fundamental fact we're dealing with today. No, there is no reason for corporations to lower the cost of anything. Inflation. It would help if we would increase oil and gas production here, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, And I think the resources, the policies to be able to do that. Well, then why would the Democrats want to decrease production? I mean, we had a hearing in this very room. Well, you're not in this room. You're virtual, but we're in the room. We had a hearing in this uh, room a few months ago where one of our Democrat colleagues said to the CEO of Exxon, Mr. Woods, would you commit to reducing the production of oil? 
We should. With the 40-year high inflation rate and the price of gas and the price of energy mistops. Uh, no, and I, I don't want to um, guess at people's intentions. I think Alternative in energy the well-being of, uh, would decrease the prices. But I think there's a, a disconnect between aspirations and reality in some cases. Well, you don't have to, you know. Hold on a second. It keeps bouncing back and forth. Let me see if I can see if I can do this without. Uh, if I can do this without going off. Try to switch. You're with me. Wild that, uh, wild that Warlord was having internet issues. Oh, is it? Am I fine? I'm back. I'm back. I, I see myself on Twitch. Okay. We'll continue, I guess. Because, man, I've got some... I've got more shit to talk about tonight. Back to Jim Jordan. You know, question anyone's intentions. His intentions were clear because he said to the the CEO of Chevron, he said, are you embarrassed as an American company that your production's going up? I mean, to me, that's one of the craziest questions I've ever heard. Yes, Why? Why? We need to transition off of fossil fuels in order to prevent catastrophic climate change. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. So I don't think it's questioning their intentions. Their intentions are clear. They want to destroy the oil and gas. That's what it is. It's Jim Jordan. Uh, and they want to continue to drive up the cost. Of Helping to cover up his bullshit yet again. Um, and, and they must like this 40-year high inflation. Because I don't know how. Is there any other conclusion that a rational person could reach, Ms. Tubbs? Uh, I don't think so. And, and sir, to your to your point, remember, Miss Tubbs from the things about this conversation Heritage Foundation. That, uh, at all should be telling a company what they ought to produce and what kind of company they ought to be. Well, someone um, needs to tell that to the Democrats because that's all they want to do. That's all they want. Is it better to produce energy in the United States of America to help our economy, or would it be better to to bring it in from overseas? I think we have a lot of resources here in the United States. Well, let's produce it here using wind and solar, tidal, affordable, reliable energy, perhaps even nuclear. The goal is to have free flow of energy and free trade of energy because there's efficiencies to be gained there that help consumers. Okay, and let me just ask you this too, because you know we now have the spectacle of the president of the United States begging who, you know, begging OPEC to increase production. Um, does it? Does the president of the United States? Asking and begging OPEC to increase production. Will that help with... I don't think he's been begging, but also OPEC has indeed tried to uh, stifle production no, in order to drive the price up. I, I'm struggling with some of this conversation is, uh, you know, President Biden's administration has admitted that the uh, U.S. could shut off their emissions, if that were possible, tomorrow and it'd have no impact on global temperatures by the end of the century. So what this amounts to is wanting to release the political pressure for high energy prices, uh, pursue a political agenda for certain energy technologies. Um, no, no, no. The political inter- the, 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 so, the, so the political agenda is you fucks so the, operating the on behalf of the oil and gas America industry. To go to zero emissions, which will not change what's happening relative to the climate around the world because all these other countries pollute so badly. But at the same time they're doing that, they're actually begging 
foreigners, OPEC, to increase production and send it in, which will exacerbate the very problem you just cited. Is that accurate? This is just like this is just like their argument with masks. Masks don't work one hundred percent, so we shouldn't do anything at all. No masks at all. And I, I think it's a disconnect between uh, wanting to relieve short-term political pressure and understanding that. Uh, it does look like my internet is leveled out. If you are still having issues, just refresh, and I should be back. You can't solve these problems by looking for short-term uh, fixes or easy ways out. You have to have an open market. You can't solve these problems with short-term fixes or easy ways out. That's what I would say about climate change, Miss Tubbs. Yeah, I was having an argument with an anti-masker today. They, uh... Mask mandates are proven? Please, cite the scientific study which supports this conclusion. Like, 29 minutes, 26 minutes. Boom, right there. It was that fucking easy. Had a problem with that study. The study was supported by the youth incubator of the science and technology, blah, 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 blah. So I gave him another one. And a couple more. (laughs) And said, this is why I call right-wingers Morons! Fuck Wumbles be wumbling. (laughs) I like that word. Fuck Wumbles. Fuck Wumbles. I assume Representative Byron Donald's the fuck Wumble. This is from the same... Committee hearing. Thank you. The gentleman from Florida, Mr. Donalds, is recognized for five minutes. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You know, this hearing is a complete and utter waste of time. I mean, this thing is ridiculous. And don't let his skin color fool I, I you. He's a Republican. a lot of time here in Congress, and unfortunately for the American people, we do. And this hearing adds to that. We are examining Big Oil's climate pledges. Uh, these are multinational companies. And you're trying to get them to you're trying to force them to adhere to pledges that the majority party wants them to make about climate change. I fail to see how that is the responsibility for the oversight committee to enforce pledges that they choose or choose not to make. That's not our purview. That's not our job. I think so much of what we should be doing here is focused on what we can actually control. Let's talk about the genesis of these pledges, the actual Paris Climate Accords, which, by the way, are not a treaty because the president of the United States has not brought it to the Senate to be ratified. So if it's not a treaty of the United States, these climate accords, how then do we have the legal authority to try to hold multinational companies, some of which headquarter themselves in the United States? Can somebody explain that to me? Those companies shouldn't exist. We should nationalize them so that we can do what is in our best interest. To literally bully companies into adhering to a climate pledge based upon a climate accord, which is not even a treaty of the United States, because Joe Biden won't take it to the Senate because the Senate will not ratify said treaty. None of this makes sense. But let's go into the other things that don't make sense. The price of oil is now $90 a a barrel, give or take. Which it has routinely been throughout my lifetime. The United States to actually go and drill for this oil 
mind you, in a much more environmentally friendly way, Joe Biden doesn't want our domestic producers to go get the oil. He wants to go ask OPEC to go get oil. And then he wants to go ask Russia for oil because, yes, we are importing oil from Russia. You know, that country that's now looking at Ukraine. And so he's trying to tell the Russians, we're going to cut off Nord Stream 2 if you go into Ukraine. But at the same time, we're importing oil from Russia. Again, none of this makes any sense. But we're going to hold the, the, the oil companies accountable for not holding to their climate goals. The drilling in Amwar, that, like, I think that was just a... Trump opened up Amwar for drilling, but I think that was just so that Biden would sell it back. Like, the oil companies could buy it. I don't think they were ever had the intentions of drilling because it's so expensive to drill there. So I think they... Trump opened it up so that the oil companies could buy the land with the intention of drilling just so that when, you know, the next Democratic administration came in, they could sell it back or let let the government buy it back from them. That that would be my guess because all all this is, all our government is at this point in time is just a way to prop up business and funnel public money into private hands. That's all our government is, and it's disgusting. You know what the funny thing is? Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing the same exact thing that the oil companies are doing. You see, the Democrats are running around talking about how, oh, we're going to be, we're going to cut carbon emissions by 2030. We're going to be tied to the Paris Climate Accords. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be great for our environment. But in the same breath, we are relying on countries and other parts of the world to drill the oil that we need to keep the lights on. To drill the oil that, you know, for Dr. Mann, he needs to power Penn State. Dr. Mann, at Penn State, are you guys... um, are you at zero emissions at Penn State right now? I don't control Penn State's emissions. But Dr. Mann, I, I'm only claiming my time. Dr. Mann, I'm talking energy. right now. Dr. Mann. Yep. Yeah, don't let the expert Does speak. Penn State even have the ability to be at zero emissions? Uh, they have a goal to do that, but I don't uh, Dr. Mann, if Penn State went to zero... The, the, the guy he's talking to is... A professor of atmospheric science at Penn State. Zero emissions today. Would you freeze in your office and would your students freeze in their classrooms and their dorms? Called a loaded question. The silliest question I've heard today. It's not a silly Um, question because that's actually the one question that makes sense. If you cut off energy, people will freeze. If you cut off energy, energy, economies cannot thrive. This is right wingers love this this kind of uh, questioning. Like the, the, it was Keith's dad that was like, "Well, if you abolish the police, who's going to enforce the laws?" If you cut off energy, then what we're arguing about right now, with respect to what I wish I had some of whatever they're smoking, um, pledges will will not matter because every member of Congress, every member of, member of the Senate, will have constituents who will be furious because they simply cannot heat their homes at a time where yes, it is cold outside. And anybody in D.C. knows right now, it is cold. Like I said, this is a ridiculous hearing. We should be focused on so many other things like, why is it that the barrel of oil is going to $90 a barrel right now and will probably go higher? And what that means for people who live 
in the northern states in the United States when it comes to heating their homes. They are Why fucking are insane. Double in the last year. Why have they gone up? And you, you haven't even been here for the, the majority of the insanity tonight. And considering all the decision-making that this White House is engaged in, it's no wonder that they're wrong again. I yield back. I love how we didn't hear at all from the atmospheric scientist about the problem that we are trying to solve by cutting production. But hey, that would be having an honest discussion with a right-winger, and that doesn't happen. The Republican National Committee... Representative Adam Kinzinger responding to he and Liz Cheney being censured by the RNC. This, this should be incredibly interesting. Yelra. 1221, welcome. Thank you for being a freaking follower. I hate a lot of people, not just Republicans. But uh, uh, right-wingers are indeed morons. I don't know, I don't know that I would say that I hate anyone. I hate bullshit. I, I enjoy a democratic society with free speech. That's that's where I'm at. What's your opinion of Republicans? I don't know what you mean. Do you want to have a conversation? I can actually. I forgot to open the phone lines up. Actually, if you'd like to have a conversation with me? Nine one seven eight three zero four three five nine, or you can hop in the Discord. Just tell me you're in the Discord, and I'll hop on over there. If you'd like to talk about it? Republicans absolutely deserve hate. But so do many Democrats. A black conservative? I don't... Your skin color doesn't matter to me. At all. Like, why... I would be interested to know what policies... You support. Why are you a conservative? That's interesting to me. Now, if you're the kind of person that would call me a commie, as many of our right-wing friends do in the chat, you're on break right now. I'll point out that I'm actually a capitalist and you aren't. File my taxes as a small business owner. I own my means of production. Nobody's going to call you an Uncle Tom. I'm I'm genuinely asking why you are a conservative, just like I would any conservative. What what in the what in the world policies appeal to you? I am I am a poor person from Appalachia. The Republicans have never ever represented me. You guys, you guys got something going on. I don't know about. Uh, if you support laissez-faire free markets, then you shouldn't be a conservative. Because Republicans don't support that. They support corporations sucking from the government teat. 
hands down. And we're a leftist stream. Uh, leftists support the right to own guns. Oh. One of the things I always point out to right-wingers is that Marx and Mao both, 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 were avid about gun ownership in the population. Both of them. What's the Marx quote? Under no means should the proletariat... Uh, I fuck up the quote every time. Any means to disarm the proletariat should be exhausted. Oh, they tell they tell you they support corporations not uh, being interfered with by government. That's not true at all. That's not true at all. They support gov- uh, they support corporations sucking from the government teat, but they don't want any regulations or considerations on it. Every time I ask a right winger, they're like, they always want to abolish the EPA or some shit. Well, I'm sitting. Less than 30 miles from a Superfund site where 3M was dumping chemicals into the fucking Tennessee River. What do you propose we do about that? Just let corporations do that? We need a strong government that will stop corporations from poisoning people. No, if you're if you're saying you want laissez-faire capitalism, then you don't want some sort of subsidization. Furthermore, we should we should actually enforce our rules antitrust. Fucking bankers should have went to jail over the financial crash. I am completely against giving corporations money ever ever. So I, I don't under, like, what what you're saying to me sounds good in theory, but when you sit here and work it out, like, your entire worldview just falls apart. Please stick with us. You will learn why you should not be a conservative. Under no pretext should arms and ammunition be surrendered to any attempt to disarm the workers must be frustrated by force if necessary. Okay, you say you don't want governments to make regulations on business. 3M poisoned, poisoned people in the river right down the road from me. What do you do about it? You just let 3M poison people? That's insane. That's that's why what you're saying is stupid. If you don't subsidize the farming industry, then capitalism doesn't work. What you're saying then is capitalism doesn't work if you have to subsidize the farming industry or if you have to subsidize the oil industry. And you're saying free market capitalism doesn't work. Well, then what do you propose we do about it? 
if corporations have been poisoning the water where you live, you definitely shouldn't be going and advocating for them to have less regulation. That's stupid. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? What the business rate? That's not business regulation. That's an environmental regulation. The fuck are you talking about? I assure you that 3M thought that poisoning the Tennessee River was a a cost of doing business. I'm I'm sorry, but what you're saying is just fundamentally stupid. I am on the side of workers and the people. I want to live in a society where 3M answers to me. Not that they rule over my life with an iron fist. This is why I call right-wingers morons. I'm sorry to to call you a moron, Yelra. But just what you're saying doesn't make any fucking sense. Dip, thank you for the raid. Welcome. But what you're saying doesn't protect people. Capitalism doesn't protect people. I don't I don't know what you mean by accomplishing anything. Fucking right wingers are full of vitriol. That's all I'm doing is the whole facts don't care about your feelings snowflake bullshit just from the left. I mean, I I spent years trying to make logical arguments only to be called a libtard, a snowflake, a cuck. So I got tired of it and fucking right-wingers are morons. Oh, you're a fucking cop? Is that what you're saying? You protect people from drugs. You protect people from drugs. I would say that 3M poisoning the river is far more dangerous than any fucking drug. Oh, you're a fed. Same difference. All cops are bastards. We talk about the solutions I support every night here on this show. I don't I don't know. I don't know what you're what you This is why I I ask people to call in or Discord. If you're going to have a conversation with me, this doesn't work well over text. I appreciate you being a follower. I hope you stick around and actually learn something. Better rally. I I don't care. I don't I don't care that you see people decapitated and mutilated. 
And I doubt you do it every day because unlike right-wingers, uh, I underst- I know what the crime statistics are, and then violent crime is actually pretty rare. It's not like you guys do anything to prevent it or even, even bring the people to justice. The solve rate for violent crimes is less than 50% in this country. One of the reasons why I think cops, feds, all of you, fucking useless. You're useless. Thank you, Dustin. Let's intro this again. I was in Tijuana for six months. Yeah, I watched Breaking Bad too, dude. Maybe I should have done the story about how Mexico is suing the United States over the amount of guns that get trafficked into their country. If you want to talk about mangled bodies in Mexico. Who do you think caused all the violence in South America, dude? Ronald Reagan sold arms to radical Muslims in order to fund death squads in South America and flood the streets of the U.S. with crack. We're the ones that fucked up South America. We're the ones that funded the cartels. It's like how the right likes to use Al-Qaeda as a boogeyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Ronald Reagan and the CIA should have never funded them. But now it's our responsibility to use sensible policy to try to make a correction. All right, like I, I, I can't talk to you on the chat anymore because like it doesn't translate well for the people listening to the podcast. I don't think you understand how the world works. I really don't. And I think you're proving it here in the chat. This is why I call right-wingers morons. Because everything you're saying is just nonsense. It's fallacious reasoning. What? You're shielded from facts. Fuck, right-wingers are morons. But as I said, this doesn't translate well to the podcast or anything, so we're going to move on with the news. You won't give us a ringy-ding-ding or hop in the Discord. Adam Kinzinger went on CNN after the RNC voted to censure both he and Liz Cheney over uh, their participation with the January 6th committee. The Republican National Committee voted to censure Congressman Adam Kinzinger and Congresswoman Liz Cheney for serving on the committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. The censure resolution accused Cheney and Kinzinger of, quote, participating in a Democratic-led persecution of ordinary citizens, and this is key, engaged in legitimate political discourse. 
Joining me now is... Over 700 people have been arrested. Hey, 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 hey. Sixth Committee Congressman, thank you. Yelra, where were you on January the 6th? Where were you at? Huh? So much for being with us. You are a freshly censured congressman. How does that feel this morning? What is this, like my baker's dozen of, of censures now from between <laughs> local parties and, and now the national? It feels great. Um, you know, actually, it makes me pretty sad because I think it says a lot for the party and um, it says a lot to call January 6th legitimate political discourse. But the party is full blown fascist at this point. Double down on my intensity to get to the bottom of this because that's really frightening when, you know, half of the, in theory, half of the country's party is focused on complete denial of truth. You say it says a lot about the party. What does it say? Well, I think it says that they are completely unmoored from truth. I think it shows that they have pledged allegiance to one man over any kind of principle, and they can call that like loyalty. They call that conservatism. Conservatism is no longer about what you actually believe. It's about how intensely you're loyal to Donald Trump. A rhino now, a Republican in name only, is somebody who maybe actually holds to real conservatism and not to Donald Trump. I think it shows that this party is not committed to the rule of law, despite what they say, and it's not committed to democratic principles, small d, to get, uh, you know, to one vote, one, you know, counts, and whoever gets the most votes wins. Uh, It's pretty frightening. And to see, you know, the chair of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel, stand up and try to now recover and say, oh, we we only meant legitimate political discourse with nonviolence. Well, that's insane because we would not be having a January 6th committee that I'm being condemned for if it was all nonviolent. I mean, nobody denies your First Amendment right to have an opinion. We do deny your ability to break, destroy, and try to overthrow an election. Guys like Marco Rubio, Senator Rubio. Yelra, we, we do the news. I told you to call in or Discord in. I run my own multimedia production company. I'm a contractor for video, audio services, edit podcasts. I make corporate training videos. I've spent most of my career in the news business. Does that answer your question? And if you, you had just got back from a deployment, your job is to shut up and follow orders and not think. Like, you had to be told where to take a shit and when to take a shit. And you're going to come in here and act like you're some free thinker or some shit? Come the fuck on. You couldn't cut it over here in real capitalism. So you work for the government, drawing your paycheck from the government, but yet you're going you're gonna to tell me about the ills of government. That's one of the things that I don't get with the, with the machismo veteran types. Especially like a, a lot of the a lot of the right wingers I encounter are very you know the government's corrupt blah 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 blah. But I'm a veteran and you should support me because I'm a veteran. Shop my veteran store, proudly owned by veterans. It's the weirdest goddamn thing to me. I do not get you people at all. There wasn't that many people fired for not getting vaccinated. It was such a small percentage. I think less than 1%. I might be wrong on that. I might be confusing the number with somewhere else. The whiniest teat suckers indeed. 
Just so you know, this is my Chris Dorner Appreciation Society badge. You can get the shirt at the Freak Store. I've sold a couple of those. Anyway, back to and tones. I had not seen that. I don't. I don't think I know the story you're referring to. We started off the show talking about um, Florida and their like don't say gay bills and shit. But I don't think that's what you were referring to. So hit me with the hit me with the story in the Discord or something. Go from Florida. He called. He calls the committee a partisan scam. What else did he say? He said you're trying to embarrass and smear and harass as many Republicans as you can get your hands on on the committee. What do you say to that? Look, I, I don't know what's happened to Marco. I mean, I, you know, when he ran... He's a little his, bitch! I, mean, I was a Jeb supporter and, and went to Marco after Jeb because I look and I go, Marco was talking about a strong America. You know, he was kind of representing this next generation, potentially Republicans, and he's just, he's gone all in now on this kind of big lie or sometimes he'll walk the walk the line a little bit. Look, the January 6th committee, let's keep in mind how we got here. Kevin McCarthy asked John Katko to to uh, negotiate a nonpartisan fair uh, commission. He did that. And then all of a sudden McCarthy turned against it. It was rejected. It passed the House, rejected in the Senate. Because he, he, put, he saw the way the winds were blowing, that Trump still had sway over the party. Some, you know, had deep involvement in January 6th. Uh, one or two of those members were rejected and Kevin pulled all his members out instead of naming two others. And so that's how we got to this position. And in that process, we have Republicans and Democrats now getting to fair answers. Um, we're not out to, to, to get anybody. We're not out to embarrass anybody. We're out to get to the truth. If the truth embarrasses somebody, I can't help that. But our job is to give a full accountability to the American people. CNN reported on Friday that Congressman Jim Jordan, among the records you now have, uh, are that he had a 10-minute phone conversation with Donald Trump the morning of January 6th. What does that tell you? So I won't comment directly on that. Which is the reason why they rejected him. Committee to put out any details that do or don't exist. But I think what, you know, something like that in theory would show. Uh, and particularly what we're interested in is what was the president doing that day and leading up to that day? What did the president think January 6th was? What was he doing during it? Um, I think the question is if this was a spontaneous act of violence of people that took the president literally and he was only speaking metaphorically, as I think he recently said, hang Mike Pence was just metaphoric and not real. Um, you know, that's one thing. But if in fact the president knew that there was a potential for violence, that actually is something the DOJ might be interested in because it would show that he would be maybe have some criminal culpability at that moment. The DOJ might be interested in. We, we know that, but I think those are some kind of things we're interested in. Bottom line on this, John, is, you know, I just had a kid three weeks ago when he's five or ten and learning about history. I want to make sure that he gets a full accounting of what happened on January 6th. And I want to make sure that every Republican member of Congress, when their kids and grandkids are in school, they're going to look and be like, hey, mom or dad or grandma and grandpa, how did you vote on January 6th? That's going to be something I think in five or ten years is going to be hard to explain if you're not on the side of truth. Well, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, what will you Thanks. tell Christian when he's old enough? How will, what will you tell Christian about Donald Trump? Christian. I'm going to tell him he was the worst president the United States of America ever had. He was a liar. He was a charlatan. 
And he was a man with a more fragile ego, ego than anybody I've ever met, which the irony of it is he walks around like the tough guy, but he's the one that gets more offended and wounded and sad than anybody I know. I'm also going to tell him that it was the moment that I craziest thing America hit the bottom of, you know, it's slide towards authoritarianism and the moment we woke up. Uh, I hope he's proud of what I've done. I'm- oh, honey, I don't think we've hit the bottom yet. I shudder to think what happens. Should the Republicans take control of the House in the fall? If they take control of the House and the Senate? We have not hit the bottom yet, Kinzinger. Good Lord, what the fuck is 2024 going to bring us? I'm confident he will be because, you know, short of uh, this thing really going off the rails, this thing being our country in this experiment, I think we're going to look back and say, Wow, that was a moment we might have flown too close to the sun, and we can never do that again. Uh, that's my hope and prayer, because if not, we're in real trouble. You say you hope we've, those are your hit bottom. The Republicans could gain control of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy. Only facts I could never, I could, especially like the Ted Cruz, where he, he had his wife insulted by Trump, and then he's making phone calls asking people to vote for Trump. It's insane. And, and, and the right wing are the ones always calling people cucks. Good Lord, they're the cucks. Not that there's any, not to kink shame, any actual cucks that are into that. Well, he'll be, well, I'll tell you what he will have a high cell phone bill uh, because he'll be calling Marjorie Taylor Greene and, you know, people like that to ask them what their opinion is and what he can and can't do. Uh, he will have no leadership ability because he is basically begging the people that just two years ago he said was crazy were crazy. He's begging them for the ability to lead. So I think it's going to be a miserable experience for him if he actually wins. I'm not convinced he will be speaker. But if he is speaker, I think it will end up being one of the most miserable things he's ever been through. So, yeah, he'll have the title. Uh, but if he thinks there's a point at which he can kind of stand up and take back power from folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene and the crazy, I just don't see it going to happen. I do not want to see Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And, 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 there is no guarantee that Kevin McCarthy would be the Speaker of the House. They've already floated the idea, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, of making Trump the Speaker of the House. If they were to win back the House and the Senate, that's what I'm saying, we have not hit bottom yet. They were to win back the House and the Senate, I would not put it past them to try to impeach Joe Biden and install Trump as president. You issued a tweet about Josh Hawley, a senator from Missouri, and I want to ask you a couple things about it. I think you were responding to Hawley talking about Ukraine and the fact that the United States should... should Hawley scares the shit out of me. Ukraine being able to join NATO long term. And you wrote... I hate to be so personal, but Hawley is one of the worst human beings and a self-aggrandizing con artist. (laughs) When Trump goes down, I certainly hope this evil will be laid in the open for all us to see and be ashamed of. I actually want to, like, break this into parts if I can and take the second part first. When you say when Trump goes (laughs) down, what do you mean by that? Well, that's not based on anything on the committee, although uh, I'm convinced that when the full story is out and, and history kind of moves on, Donald Trump is going to be just seen as a really uh, a sad character in history. And uh, and I'm still confident that... I don't know that that happens in my lifetime. People, So I, I have a, a strong sense of confidence that all the lies, all the conspiracies, 
and, and all that garbage will be fully exposed for the American people to detest. And so I think Trump is going down. I don't know what form that's going to take, but I certainly don't think he's going to be the king of much more than Mar-a-Lago. Uh, and, you say, and you say that, now just to be clear, this is a somewhat informed statement. You've seen things that we haven't seen, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, look, what, what we know even anecdotally, guys gleefully watching television while the, you know, the Capitol's being ransacked, at least that's kind of what we've heard second and third hand. I mean, that's no good president of the United States. And, and that's a man that, you know, really doesn't have the best interest of the U.S. at heart. And I'll say, too, with Josh Hawley, let's keep in mind. He never did. I'll try not to get so personal, but that was a moment in which he was parroting Tucker Carlson's talking points on Ukraine because he wants to get in the good graces of Tucker Carlson, Josh Hawley. And keep in mind, the whole reason, Jim. I don't think Fox would have Kinzinger on. There was no senator that was going to, even Ted Cruz, for goodness sakes, no senator was going to object to these states on January 6th until Josh Hawley said something. And the second he did, then all these other senators jumped on board. But he was the very first. So if we pinpoint January 6th, if we pinpoint, you know, all these lies, he is... I think Hawley has his eyes on the White House. Play ...his importance, because I don't think he's important. But I also look at that and go, that is, he is endemic of what is wrong with this party. Um, I just want to ask you very quickly, because I want you to leave with a smile on your face. How do you like being a dad? <laughs> oh, fuck off. Damn breeders. Trump left the White House in a rush because he was so preoccupied with trying to overturn the 2020 election. Reading from Business Insider. President Donald Trump rushed to leave the White House last year as he spent his final weeks in office obsessed with trying to overturn the 2020 election. Several books in the final days of the Trump presidency said many of the president's aides and advisors had left the White House entirely or had largely checked out by the end of his term. The staff departures created a vacuum for figures like Trump's then-lawyer Rudy Giuliani and other conspiracy theory-wielding figures like that of attorney Sidney Powell to try to convince him of quixotic uh, uh, ways he could stay in power. The time, the Times wrote, the aides who remained were either preoccupied with helping him overturn the election or trying to stop him or avoiding him. Trump did manage to take multiple boxes of important records and documents out of the White House and back to Mar-a-Lago, his Palm Beach, Florida club, and winter residence. His lawyers have been in negotiations with the National Archives for the boxes to be returned to the agency's custody. Both the Times and the Washington Post reported Trump carted off over a dozen boxes of White House materials, records, and other items that he should have turned over under the Presidential Records Act. Law requires White House officials to properly preserve official presidential correspondence and documentation like memos, letters, emails, text messages, and social media posts. The items in the boxes, according to the Times and the Post, include letters to Trump from North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, a note from former President Barack Obama, a map that Trump drew on with a Sharpie to mark a possible hurricane path. Like, he kept that as a souvenir? The fucking, the fucking map that he drew on with the Sharpie. Oh, fuck. Experts told the Post that Trump likely violated the 1970s law passed in the wake of the Watergate scandal by taking the documents to Florida with him. The National Archives confirmed in a Monday statement that the agency had arranged transport 
for 15 boxes of records and materials to be returned from Mar-a-Lago into the agency's custody. It added that Trump and his staff were continuing to search for additional presidential records that belong to the National Archives. Trump's habit of tearing up official White House documents to destroy or dispose of them, a trend Politico first reported in 2018, is now affecting the House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 insurrection. The National Archives, which has turned over at least 700 documents from the Trump White House to the committee, previously told the Post that some records included paper records that had been torn up by the former president. Some documents that had been torn up, they said, were taped back together. In addition to routinely tearing up documents in the Trump White House, officials would round up documents in burn bags and send them to the Pentagon to be incinerated. Oh, Jesus. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? And criminals. Mitch McConnell changing his tune. Is it, is it appropriate for the Republican National Committee to censor two sitting members of Congress and also use the words legitimate political discourse? No, he's always been kind of adversarial towards Trump. Well, let me give you my view of what happened January the 6th. And we're all, we're here. We're here. We, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election from one administration to the next. That's what it was. With regard And they'll do it again. That the RNC should be in the business of picking and choosing Republicans who ought to be supported. Uh, traditionally, the view of the National Party Committees is that we support all members of our party, regardless of their positions on some issues. Do you have confidence in her, Ron McDaniels, chairman of the committee? Uh, I, I do, but the, the issue is whether or not the RNC should be sort of singling out members of our party who may have different views from the majority. That's well, that's exactly the what the RNC, RNC did. Mitch McConnell. And that's another another example Mitt Romney, who supposedly stood up to Trump, but has bowed down to him on multiple occasions, that's his daughter. That's his daughter at the RNC. Over the weekend, apparently, Mike Pence tried to distance himself from Trump. Let's get exactly what he had to say here. Pence says Trump is wrong about overturning the 2020 election. Now, he pivoted to talking about Vice President Harris. We don't want to give Harris the power to be able to overturn the 2024 election. And here's the thing is like the Democrats would never do anything like that. How do I know? Because Vice President Al Gore who legitimately won an election didn't try to fucking pull any funny business with the certification when he oversaw it.
actually felt like he was doing something for the good of the country by conceding, even though he won the fucking election. Number of prominent Republicans are vocally supporting former Vice President Mike Pence. Said last week that Trump was wrong to claim the former vice president could have overturned the 2020 presidential election on January the 6th as he presided over the counting of electoral college votes by Congress. Frankly, there is no, uh, there's almost no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president, Pence said, while speaking at a conference hosted. I could not do a fucking Pence impression. Hosted by the Federalist Society. Fuck those fuckers. Days following Pence's comments, some Republicans have backed the former vice president's remarks, including Senator Marco Rubio. Pence chief of staff, Mark Short. Now here, Rubio is interesting because he's in a, a tough fight in Florida. And I'm kind of surprised he backed Pence on this one. Where Pence chief of staff, Mark Short. Senator John Barrasso. Retired General H.R. McMaster. And even New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. It's amazing that, you know, just speaking the truth gets you praised here on Axios. Oh my God, we can name five Republicans that actually told the truth, recognized the law. This is a story that's a few days old. We're going into conspiracy theories. Texas Butterfly Center has to close after threats from QAnon. National Butterfly Center sits on the Rio Grande River on the U.S.-Mexico border. It was a vocal uh, opponent of Donald Trump's promised border barrier. QAnon believers and groups supporting Mr. Trump have baselessly claimed that the center is smuggling migrants. It's another one of their bullshit boogeymen they're always appealing to. The center said it was closing for the safety of our staff and visitors. The center will be closed until further notice, according to Jeffrey Glassberg, president of the North American Butterfly Association, which runs the organization. Statement cited disruption caused by faults and defamatory attacks directed by political operatives. It's home to over 200 species of butterfly as well as bobcats, armadillos, coyotes, and tortoises. Attracts more than 35,000 visitors each year, including 6,000 school children. Became an enemy of the former U.S. president's supporters in 2017 when it, filed a lawsuit, uh, 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 when it filed a lawsuit to block construction of the wall on its property. It argued that the barrier would cut two-thirds of the 100-acre nature preserve, effectively destroying it. move comes after an emergency three-day closure over the weekend sparked by a nearby rally over border security called We Stand America. Before the rally, two women showed up demanding to see the rafts with the illegals crossing. Said that one person struck National Butterfly Senator, uh, Center Executive Director Ariana Trevino-Wright and nearly ran over her son with their vehicle person who they identified as a political candidate in Virginia can be heard claiming that the center permits child rape according to audio of the encounter provided by uh, provided to reporters 
God, these people are stupid. Right-wingers are absolute morons. Can't get through to them. You you can't speak to them. Like we saw with our friend earlier. Said he was a fed. How how are we going to live in a country together? When they hate us, they think we're trafficking children and promoting dangerous ideology to children. When I'm trying to get them to join with me to fight this stupid class war that we're in, I I don't, I don't... I don't see where we go from here, but according to a hedge fund titan, civil war is coming. Ray Dalio, founder of Bridgewater Associates, the world's biggest hedge fund manager, says our financial problems will help send us a version of civil war. U.S. appears to be on a classic path towards some form of civil war, he wrote in a LinkedIn posting. What is obvious from looking at many cycles of rises and declines of different historical cases is the combination of, one, financial problems due to not having enough money that lead to large deficits, high taxes, a lot of money printing, and high inflation. I don't know what high taxes he's talking about reason we have large deficits and not enough money is because we're not taxing rich people like yourself enough. Two, large wealth and value gaps in which people are more willing to fight for what they want than to compromise. Leads to some sort of fighting for control rather than compromising according to the rules, Dalio says. That's a civil war, though these fights can be more or less violent. Also said, notably, when that happens at the same time as there are foreign powers that are becoming strong enough to challenge the leading world power that is encountering this civil war dynamic, it is an especially risky period. That is the period I believe we are in now. Further, by most of the measures that I use, the current financial conditions and irreconcilable differences in desires and values are consistent with the ingredients leading to some form of civil war. We are seeing that they are leading to much greater amounts of populism, extremism, and conflicts between the right and the left, which is classic. Both sides are fighting to win at all costs and are unwilling to compromise. I That's a false dichotomy because I'm willing to compromise. I want to live in a democracy. I'm not the one assaulting democracy. I'm trying to make the country more democratic. It's rich assholes like him that are standing in the way. Those financial indicators that he was speaking of, U.S. trade deficit hit a record in 2021. U.S. trade deficit reached record levels in 2021, rising 27% to a total of $859.1 billion dollars This is according to data from the U.S. Census Bureau out on Tuesday. As I've said many times here on this show, record levels in 2021 
weren't caused by the policies of the Biden administration. You're living in Trump's economy. The extent that presidents have an effect on the economy, it takes two or three years to see those policies. This is Trump's trade war right now. This is this is the reaction to it. The pandemic has caused people to shift their spending away from domestically produced services and toward inputted durable goods. Wider trade deficit reflects Americans' ability to buy goods they want, according to Irwin. Trade deficit rose 1.8% to $80.7 billion for December as imports surged. Deficit for goods alone topped $1 trillion for the first time as spending on computers, toys, bicycles, clothing, pharmaceuticals, and other goods made in foreign factories rose during the pandemic. Deficit was driven by a $576.5 billion increase in imports last year as Americans purchased more foreign products. Exports also rose $394 billion, or 18.5%, as demand for foreign goods surged. Wider trade deficit reflects Americans' ability to buy goods they want, according to uh, Neil Irwin of Axios. Speak to Pfizer, though, just... But let's let's make sure Pfizer is protected in all of this, right? Their balance sheet is bulletproof. We're going to hear from a, an analyst on CNBC. Since it is in the news, just reported uh, sure. results. I mean, adding $50 billion of incremental revenue to a company. We've heard, you know, Pfizer's a, you know, not like Moderna. It's got a lot of other moving parts, and so it's not yep. as dependent. But... There's been some multiple compression. I mean, that stock has not moved to the same extent you would think no. based on the way its business has improved. It, 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 what's it trading? It, I mean, at, at this point, the multiple is it's, it's much cheaper. It's eight, eight, eight times. Eight times. Yeah. Why? It trades at eight times earnings. Yeah. Well, it trades at eight times. So does Bristol. And remember, Bristol did the sell gene acquisition. So what the market looks at is not the short-term next 12 to 24 months earnings, it's really what is the future of your pipeline and really what are we going to discount that at? So, in fact, it's kind of perverse if you look at it. When you get a low P.E., it means that the expectation is that E is going to go down and you're going to go back to a market multiple or 15 to 17 times earnings. So it's really going to be what is Pfizer going to talk about? One of the benefits of having kind of this, the, the, you know, uh, the vaccines for Pfizer is now they have a bulletproof balance sheet. So I think you can take solace in that, but you also have to say, what is the R&D for this company? What is it for Bristol? You know, why are these stocks trading at single-digit multiples? Really because they're not getting credit and you have option value for the future. So I think there is some potential there because you do actually kind of have this moat of a balance sheet. But it's really a show-me story because the market's expecting all the vaccines and all the antivirals to eventually end. And then, hey, what's going to this company going to be really be like? So society's gain it could be Pfizer's loss. I mean, it, 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 is the action in the stock almost telling us that? Good Lord. That we're not going to be like the intellectual property should have been open source the entire time. Yeah, Pfizer should I mean, be allowed to make money off of this bullshit. That we are going to be reopening and that. Oh, so two things. One is 
we, we might not need your vaccines as much. And by the way, if we do, we're not going to be paying as much because now we've got other competitors out there. And the demand is going to be such that the, the, all the governments in the world are going to actually put pressure on what you can charge because you do have Moderna and you have for the other. So you basically have discount. Well, you've got Moderna. But J&J has quietly stopped producing their vaccine. J&J said to quietly halt COVID-19 vaccine production. Drug maker Johnson & Johnson has halted production of its single-dose COVID-19 vaccine, according to a New York Times report. Pharmaceutical company last year quietly shut down production at a plant in uh, Leiden, Netherlands. It was the only facility where usable doses of the vaccine were manufactured, catching some of its customers off guard. Johnson & Johnson has instead been using the plant to work on an experimental and potentially more profitable drug that could protect against an unrelated respiratory virus. A more profitable drug. Plant is expected to resume manufacturing the COVID nineteen vaccine, but it's unclear when. Remember, this is this is at a time when vaccination rates are still lagging in many places around the world, and we're not out of the woods yet. A new variant that is more virulent can absolutely hit us. Because we need to get the rest of the world vaccinated. But it's not profitable for Johnson & Johnson to do that. Good Lord. But I'm sure, I'm sure the Biden administration is being advised on the science by the absolute best people, right? Oh shit, no, no, no. The Biden science advisor, Eric Lander, has had to resign after violating workplace policy. Eric Lander resigned from his position on Monday after an investigation found that he violated the Biden administration's workplace policy. The White House confirmed an investigation found that Lander violated the White House's workplace policy and coercive action was taken according to the Office of Science and Technology. Investigation recordings and documents obtained by Politico show that Lander bullied his former general counsel, among others. Lander apologized for speaking to OSTP staff in a disrespectful or demeaning way. Lander is the first person of cabinet rank to resign or be let go from the Biden administration. President Biden warned staffers and appointees on his first day in the White House last year to treat everyone with respect or else I will fire you on the spot. It's been a great honor to serve as your science advisor and to work with extraordinarily talented career and non-career colleagues, the Office of Science and Technology Policy, Lander wrote in his letter to Biden. I am devastated that I caused hurt to past and present colleagues by the way in which I've spoken to them. It was never my intention. Nonetheless, it is my fault and my responsibility. The resignation letter will take effect no later than February 18th. He went full Klobuchar! Well, apparently he was just yelling at him. He wasn't actually throwing shit across the room. Ah, fuck. Americans got paid even more in January as wages just keep getting higher. The picture of McDonald's. 
Looks, it looks like that's good for the stock market. Other than Facebook, we'll talk about that here in just a second. In January, Americans got paid even more. That's according to the latest employment data from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Oh, good one, Warlord. Says I'm loving it. Average hourly earnings for all workers soared to uh, $31.63 last month, a 5.7% jump from a year ago. Production and non-supervisory workers were earning an average of $26.92 an hour, up from 6.9% noise in January of 2021. Workers aren't just making more money, they are looking for and getting more jobs according to BLS data. After months of quitting in record numbers, people aren't leaving the workforce completely, but rather participating in a great reshuffle. Across industries, pay is one major way companies are enticing those job switchers to come back to work. The following chart highlights just what wage growth has looked like from the same month the previous year for all employees. BLS data also shows a surprisingly large number of jobs were added in January. I was watching a speech by Richard Wolf from like fucking 10 years ago. Maybe longer. It was like 12 years ago. It was right in the height of the financial crash. Fortunately, he contended that uh, you usually see the economy overheat before you see a gigantic bubble. See a lot of hiring before there's a lot of firing. U.S. added 467,000 non-farm payrolls in January. Revision to prior month's data shows that there were 709,000 more jobs added in November and December than originally reported. The unemployment rate ticked up to 4%, which is actually good news. It means more people are stepping in from the sidelines to look for a job. Now, I would also contend that one of the reasons why wages are going up is because of a hard push for more unions. You're seeing pushback against that unionization effort, such as here in Memphis, Tennessee, where several workers at a Memphis Starbucks store were fired on Tuesday over what the company says were significant violations of policy. Workers from the Poplar plaza location however say the company is retaliating against employees after they talk to the media about their attempt to unionize the group starbuck workers united posted on a gofundme page raising money for the group their most blatant act of union busting yet starbucks is retaliating against us on the union organizing committee at the poplar and highland store after we spoke to the media about our campaign a statement the Seattle-based co- uh, corporation denied that said it opened an investigation into the Memphis store after it was made aware of recent safety and security policy violations. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they did not mention the revised job report on Fox and Friends. I mean, they're, they're just going to keep Going, the borders are wide open. The Biden economy. CRT is rotting your kids' brain. Like, it's just the same nonsense. 
from the people that say they don't live in fear. You won't wear a mask to prevent the spread of a deadly pathogen, but you live in fear of every fucking thing else. I'm sure it was it was Starbucks retaliating against the work. Meanwhile, down in Alabama, Amazon uh, workers are set for another union election after the NLRB found that Amazon violated labor rules during the last one. Hear this CNN hit on it. Maybe if it's going to play. When I saw the chain reaction around the country, I began to feel good that, you know what? I was supposed to go to Amazon. I was supposed to stand and speak out. When the Amazon warehouse workers in Bessemer, Alabama, pushed to unionize last year, Jennifer Bates became not just another employee on the floor, but the face of a movement. Ms. Bates, let me ask you a very simple question. She even testified in front of the U.S. Senate this March. It's time for someone to be held accountable for what they're doing. But less than a year and a half ago, she was just a woman living in Birmingham looking for a job. When you heard that Amazon was opening a warehouse nearby, what were your initial thoughts? This is a game changer for the area. Bessemer, Alabama is a poor community, but it's growing. It's been up and down. So having an Amazon facility there, um, I think, would have brought businesses and also economic growth for the families that work there and in the surrounding area. You say the job is really strenuous. The days are very long. Walk me through what were some of the main problems you saw at Amazon. I thought that I was going to go in. I I could not do that job. The work that they had provided. But it's the amount of pressure they put on you to get the job done. It's added stress that is unnecessary. It blew my mind that they only had this one small elevator for the employees. You have a four-flight high facility, and your employees have to take the stairs. That was one of the things that triggered me to think, what was this place really designed for? Jennifer and other workers <laughs> have said Amazon is too... Maximum profit. ...workers' productivity. Amazon denies this. Once you come in and scan your badge through the turnstile, you're already being tracked. One of the things the PA used to come by and say, you know, your numbers are low, so what can you do to get the amount of boxes you need to get? Then you have to think, should I go to the restroom or potentially get rolled up or get fired because I should don't you piss have in a bottle? the amount of boxes scanned for that portion of the day. What did you want Amazon to scan for that portion of the day? What did you want Amazon to do about these issues? We wanted them to fix it. We felt that the union would help us a lot. Damn right it would. What began as hushed conversations among workers quickly became a David versus Goliath story against one of the largest employers in the nation. Did you ever imagine you'd be the face of this movement? Absolutely not. What's this been like for you? It was a risky move, but it was an important one. And it just snowballed into where we are today. People all over the country had begun to stand up. Be encouraged about who they were and begin to value who they were on the job. Today and over the next few days and weeks, workers in Alabama 
and all across America are voting on whether to organize a union in their workplace. Everything looks good on paper, but once you go on the inside, you see the reality. Despite attention from prominent politicians and even President Biden, the vote ultimately came up short, with 738 who voted for unionization and 1,798 voting against it. Once it was over, it was a shock to a lot of people. And the day that we got the answer, people just stopped working because they couldn't understand that how did the number come out like that? Meanwhile, an upcoming National Labor Relations Board decision looms as to whether Amazon tipped the scales and broke certain fair election rules and if a new vote should take place. But Jennifer and her union campaigners... Oh, I thought the NLRB already ruled on that. I'm sorry. What do you say, though, to the people that look at you and say, well, I'm not in a union. I don't have a pension. I don't have the power to collectively negotiate. I'm an at-will employee. So why do you need this? We deserve it. If we give our lives 100... I, I would say to that person, you want me to be in a union because it raises your wages. Just having one company in your area unionize raises the wages of every other uh, industry around it. That's a fact. They should be 100% committed to us. Stand with workers. You are more valuable than you deemed yourself to be. I do not understand corporate bootlickers like our friend we had in here earlier. Open our mouths. And now the fire is lit. And I don't think it's going out. Of course, Amazon says we don't think unions are the best answer. The benefits of the direct relationship between management and the workers can't be overstated. Fuck off. Now, they're not just doing underhanded shit to try to bust the unions. They're also doing these weird PR things like... uh. We don't know this for a fact, but there's a TikToker's video about working at Amazon that is so positive, people think that he must be a plant. I heard Amazon was lit, so you know I applied. Here's my review. Bacon. I heard Amazon was lit. Who the fuck told you that? Warehouse. Orientation boring. But that's regular. Third day here, and I already see I don't have to interact with people. I just stack the packages on pallets. It's literally like playing Tetris. Fourth day working, and I already got my... It's literally like playing Tetris. I'm sorry, Alec, I'm not going to play it because he's got some kind of copyrighted music under it. Video goes over the benefits Amazon employees can allegedly enjoy, such as health care after a few days on the job and college tuition reimbursement. I think it's overall a good job. Let's see if that lasts, the video concludes. Amazon's alleged reputation of generally being a harsh work environment, thanks to current and former employees who have shared their experiences via social media. Commenters didn't buy the reality uh, that TikToker Hespier 
was seemingly trying to sell. The job review was called out by commenters, with some accusing the TikToker of being paid a of being a paid actor or posting sponsored content without a label. Uh, as soon as he started talking about the benefits, I knew it was staged. One commenter wrote. Other commenters shared their experiences of working for the online retailer. I came home every day with blood in my shoes. And they didn't let us take our breaks properly. Another commenter uh, pointed to the specific phrasing used in the video, stating that only someone from Amazon might write the tagline, I heard Amazon was lit. Literally no one except the ones in charge of Amazon would say that they <laughs> would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it stuck out to me, too, when I heard that. The Daily Dot reached out to uh, Pespier through a TikTok direct message and a comment on the video, as well as an Amazon directly, uh, regarding the video's authenticity. Apparently, they didn't get a comment back. I'm sure it was PR. Just like how Zuckerberg holding a meeting with Facebook employees was PR after Facebook's stock dropped. Facebook loses $237 billion in largest one-day drop in stock in the market history. Zuckerberg warned staff he might cry over a scratched eye as shares fall 26%, dragging the NASDAQ down at 3.7%. And he drops out of the Forbes 10 richest after users decline. Whoa, I didn't know he dropped out of the Forbes 10 richest. Boo-hoo, Zuck! CEO, uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg told his employees to focus on video products and warned that he might cry from a scratched eye during a virtual company-wide meeting on Thursday after the social media giant lost $237 billion. Shares and Facebook owner Meta fell 26%. The markets closed on Thursday after the social media giant issued a dismal forecast and reported its first decline in daily active users. Zuckerberg saw at least $29.7 billion erased from his net worth. Just like Elon Musk has been selling off his fucking shares. And listen, fucking Facebook isn't worth what it's actually worth. It has been trading on the future for years now. Just like Uber. Uber was based on the belief that they would have self-driving cars already. It's not worth what it's actually worth. Just like Teslas can't actually drive themselves. Tesla's not worth what it's actually worth. This entire economy is a bubble. It's a speculative bubble, all intertwined. And it's all going to come crashing down like a house of cards. Hopefully, it's our chance to actually seize the government and do something productive with it. But it's probably just going to be more of the same. We're going to have a crusty old white person bail out all these different companies. Say they're too big to fail. Oh. Facebook stock closed the day at $237 per share. That's still outrageously high. It is not worth that. Bring fear in international markets and pulling the tech-heavy NASDAQ down by 3.74%. 
Speaking of international markets, how is Facebook going to fare if they pull out of Europe? Meta has threatened to pull the plug on Facebook and Instagram in Europe over data privacy dispute. Europeans who love posting to Facebook and Instagram could soon be left out in the cold. Mark Zuckerberg's Meta warned it may have to pull the plug on its popular social media programs no matter the cost. Data privacy issues with the European Union are compounding headaches for the company, which has been the subject of one governance scandal after the other. Last week, Meta suffered the largest one-day wipeout in market cap of any U.S.-listed stock in history, following a grim outlook marred by competition from ByteDance's TikTok and uh, $10 billion in Apple-related ad-targeting headwinds. In a 10K annual filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the company warned investors that failure of the U.S. and E.U. to reach a new agreement on data transfers could result, uh, could result in Meta deciding to shut down its core operations in the region that would materially and adversely affect its financial performance. Fucking do it, Zuck! By 2020, the EU's top court struck down the existing data transfer agreement or arrangement between the U.S. and the EU, known as the Privacy Shield, on the grounds that the EU could not be certain its data would be safe from U.S. government surveillance once housed in data centers on American soil. Then, Meta and other large U.S. technology companies have tended to rely on a different legal mechanism called Standard Contractual Clauses move EU user data to the U.S. A new transatlantic data transfer framework is not adopted and we are unable to continue to rely on SCCs or rely upon other alternative means of data transfer from Europe to the United States, we will likely be unable to offer a number of our most significant products and services, according to Meta. Europe accounts for a relatively small base of Facebook's users, roughly 15% of its 2.91 billion monthly active users, yet its importance to Meta's income statement is disproportionately high, with roughly a quarter of the group's revenue stemming from the region in the three months through December. Bulk of the problems relate to data privacy activist Max Schrem's second successful landmark data privacy lawsuit. The uh, Austrian brought a successful 2020 challenge to the privacy shield. Uh, Was that supposed to be shield? Did they leave off a D there? I think it said shield earlier in the... Yeah, fuck it. Privacy Shield, yes. Type of. And this is a previous suit from 2015 that led to an earlier legal framework for data transfers between the EU and the US, known as Safe Harbor, being struck down. Separately, Shrims has been active in bringing legal challenges designed to hold private companies to account for violating the EU's sweeping data privacy regulation. Ruling by the European Court of Justice, based in Luxembourg, delivered a severe blow to the operations of over 5,000 European and American companies who use the EU-US Privacy Shield as the legal basis for transatlantic data transfer. 
Fuck you, Facebook. I say while broadcasting to Facebook. I think I'm broadcasting to Facebook. Who knows? After our earlier issue. Oh, there's Zippy from last night. Are we still live? Are we on the Facebook? Oh, there's Zippy from last night. Are we still? Yeah, we're, we're still live. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Saw this on PragerU. This should be fun. It's not me who's changed. It's the left who is now made up of a small contingent who've gone. There was no left. Through most of Bill Maher's career in this country, a left has emerged as a result of the horrendous policies of this country, which has left many in my generation feeling left out of a, a robust economy. Mental and a large contingent who refused to call them out for it. But I will. That's why I'm a hero at Fox these days. <laughs> That's why I'm a hero at Fox these days. This is the guy on the left, supposedly. Which shows just how much liberals have their head up their ass. Because if they really thought about it, they would have made me a hero on their media. What? No, you're a piece of shit. And so now here we have PragerU. Praising Bill Maher. Maybe, maybe, Bill Maher, it's because you're not actually on the left that you're a capitalist piece of shit. It's not my fault that the party of FDR and JFK is turning into the party of LOL and WTF. <laughs> I, want, I want the party to be the party of FDR again. What are you talking about? You're the one that was the party of Obama and Clinton. The right-wingers that posed as progressives. Members of Congress tweeting things like cancel rent, cancel mortgage. And yes. No more policing or incarceration. Yes. Declaring that capitalism is slavery. Canceling Lincoln and Dr. Seuss, teaching children they're oppressors and math is racist. He's, he's even employing right-wing fucking talking points that aren't true. The statue of Lincoln that they want taken down is like a white savior statue where Lincoln has slaves that he freed around him. The Dr. Seuss thing was the Seuss estate deciding not to publish books. He's citing the Hoover Institute. Making Mr. Potato Head gender neutral. <laughs> and now an emoji for pregnant men. Real. Oh, now, now we've got to get some transphobia in there. Oh, Dave Rubin is another liberal who saw the left drifting far away from liberalism. Do you believe in free speech? Do you believe that people should be judged by their... 
Is this just a repackage of this Dave Rubin video? Yep, 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 yep. Fuck. Follow, sorry. Welcome. Thank you for being a freaking follower. Came just in time to hear Conservative Mama. Conservative Mama is demanding that her music be taken down from Spotify. I don't know who Conservative Mama is, but this should be fun, right? Posted this February 3rd, about a week ago. Hi there. I am a super talented musician slash celebrity slash rock star. I make a lot of money making this face. And I too am demanding that Spotify remove my music from Spotify. So I guess it's not conservative mama wanting her music taken down from Spotify. It is this parody that she's doing. I can play pretty much any instrument. Do you hear that? It's really good. I'm really good. A lot of people want to be me, but they can't. I mean... Neil Young is actually a really good musician. Joni Mitchell, excellent musician. See, I'm super talented. A lot of my album covers just have me like looking into the distance, like I'm looking at something like this. It's pretty cool, huh? I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. So do you hear me, Spotify? You better remove my music now. I want my music taken down immediately. Joe Rogan should not be allowed to talk freely. Like if one doctor is saying one thing and then another doctor is saying something else, we should only hear the one doctor that the government says we should listen to. Free speech is scary and it should scare you. And if it doesn't, then you're stupid. Free speech doesn't scare me. What, what? The right is trying to do is to stifle any kind of criticism. I mean, I made the video about Joe Rogan. If you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. You're, are you healthy? Are you a healthy person? Like, look, don't do anything stupid, but you should take care of yourself. You yeah. should, if you're, if you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating. This is Joe Rogan in April of 2021. You need to worry about this. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. But there's a uh, lot of jobs that will tell you you need to have this. Well, that's what's but starting to happen now. People are worried about them doing it for their children. And we talked about this earlier. Yeah. There's that the, 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 you might have to have your, your children vaccinated. And, you know, As well, I, you I, should. Both, both my children got the, va- the, the virus. It was nothing. I mean, I hate to say that if someone's children died from no this. Joe Rogan trained, but he was never that, like a professional not, fighter. He's I'm a comedian. Not in any way diminishing that. But I'm saying the personal experience. Same, same, same difference, though, getting not, punched in the dome. You need to just have straight talk. Don't tell them it's low risk. That's like the hurricane, okay? You know, I would be really mad at you if I thought you were a fr- hurricane forecaster and you knew this was coming, but you kept telling me, oh, it's 
This is Dr. Osterholm. Like the leading epidemiologist in this country. He he is trained with MMA fighters. That was that was never his career. Like that's that's just been a hobby of his. He he is a comedian by trade. Actor. This is Dr. Osterholm, one of the leading epidemiologists in the country. Joe Rogan knew what he was talking about when he was he he had Dr. Osterholm on. Low risk, don't worry about it. Right. Yeah, once it hit. Yeah, so that's what we need to do today is just say this is going to be challenging. And we're going to get through it, though. We are going to get through it. I hope this wakes people up to the value of vaccines, too. There's so many wackos out there that think that vaccines are, you know, a scam or they're dangerous or it's there. There's so many people out there that won't vaccinate their children. I know. And that's one. You know, one of your best shows you ever did was Peter Hotels. Yes, He's a dear friend of mine. Guy. He's a I do, too. Dr. Hotel, also amazing. And, you know, he is one of the champions out there on this very issue. Yes. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's really an important point that, you know, we got to get this idea. These vaccines can be life saving. If we had one right now, think how different. The situation will be in the world right Thank you for what you do say about vaccines because people listen to you and we need every positive voice because we have so many crazy voices out there right now. So that many are people so are paranoid and yeah. d- d- delusional and they want it all to be a conspiracy. There's been an amazing medical innovation in, in human culture and that's vaccines. All anybody is asking Joe Rogan to do is be intellectually honest. Why is trying to silence Joe Rogan? Here's a golden retriever. Bubba Hotep was a weird movie. I don't remember shit about it. Here's a golden retriever in a rain slick. Oh, here's one sliding on the eyes. Puppies. If you are watching on Twitch, going to head over to Rims. He's got a panel on tonight, and one of his panelists is one Miss Media Winch. Let's all go over and say hey to Media Winch. Yeah, uh, Joe was the MMA commentator. But I mean, he has trained in MMA. Like it's it's a it's a hobby of his. Oh, look at that shit! That little cutie getting his his belly rubbed. If you're watching on Twitch, we're gonna head over to Frims. They hated their panel. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We will see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol. Live.